Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today, we are very excited to be talking to you about the film called Black Swan. I had the craziest dream last night about a girl who was turned into a swan. But her prince falls for the wrong girl, and she kills herself. He promised to feature me more this season. Well, he should. You've been there long enough. And you're the most dedicated dancer in the company. Our new swan queen, the exquisite Nina Sayers. I'm Lily. You're gonna be amazing. I watch the way she moves. Sensual. She's not faking it. Seduces! Attack it! Attack it! Come on! Where'd you get these? It's nothing. You sweet girl. Feel my touch. Respond to it. It's so much hard for teacher. I don't want to talk about that. You really need to relax. It's the role, isn't it? It's all this pressure. I knew it'd be too much. I knew it. <gasps> What's she doing here? He made me your alternate. The only person standing in your way is you. Okay, I don't know why I said it that way, but that was a good trailer. And do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Huddleston? I do. Black Swan is a 2010 film directed by Darren Aronofsky, and it stars Natalie Portman, Mila Kunis, Vincent Castle, Cassell, Barbara Hershey, Winona Ryder, and others. And it is about a committed dancer who struggles to maintain her sanity after winning the lead role in a production of Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake. That was about right. Yeah. Uh, now, I... Excuse me. I had never seen this one Oh, before. okay. I could not remember if this was a first-time watch for you or it not. It was a first-time watch, oh, but excellent. I will say that I watched it um, right after we recorded last week. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, it made an impression on me, and I'm excited to talk about it, but it's not like I watched it last night. But I'm, mm-hmm. I know you've seen it multiple times, and you are a an Aronofsky enthusiast i would say that yes yes um so shall i start yeah you as can a first time viewer? yeah so, you can start that works um for those of you who may or may not have ever listened to the podcast we spoilers we talk about the whole thing from start to finish so if you don't like that then i apologize <laughs> here we go <laughs> Um, yeah, really, really, really dug it. I like uh, movies that play with reality, that make you question whether or not the central character whom we follow is sane or not, right? What, is something crazy happening? 
or is this all in their head uh, or is it some strange combination of both? And a lot of movies have fun sort of toying with that a little bit or then suddenly surprising you and twisting it and turning it on its ear. Um, I also like movies. I'm interested in movies that deal with, um, generally speaking, mental health that, you know, that that show us portraits of people that are, you know, they're perceiving reality for one reason or another slightly different than the rest of us. Um, and I think this one falls right into that. Um, I I really dug it. I thought, did she win an Oscar for this performance? She did, she... yeah. She won the Best best Actress Oscar. Deservedly. Yes. She was the first. This is. I thought this was interesting on uh, her IMDb page. She was the first. I don't know if this is the first uh, person at all born in the 80s, but she was born in 1981, and it said that she was the first uh, Best Actress winner born in the 80s. Huh. I thought that I thought that was kind of interesting. Had to be somebody. Yeah. Um, deservedly, deservedly I, yes, yes. Yeah, she 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 handed in just a spectacular performance. Um, subtle and harrowing and um, authentic. I mean, it really felt genuine, and it, it there was a lot going on there that I don't that that you know couldn't have been on the page depths. That she brought to that, and I thought I think everybody handed in a great performance. I think um, one of the things I liked the most about this movie is, although we do, I my interpretation of it, it was that she was um, mentally ill, mm-hmm. like she was schizophrenic, basically was my interpretation of it. That as the pressure of this role mounted, um, she started to mentally come apart at the seams a little bit, and. Whether or not you interpret it as her having actually committed suicide in the end, and I think there is some question as to whether even that part is real or how real that is. Um, uh, you you go along with her on the ride, and it's a it's a frightening ride. Um, Really, she sort of starts to see an altered version of herself, this sort of white swan that she more easily personifies, and then the black swan, which she is struggling to personify. And then she, you know, sees her own reflection in the mirror, sort of turn and look at her. And, you know, that's a great moment, <laughs> great mm-hmm. little touches. I think uh, Aronofsky uses, for the most part, a very light touch, um, and they're little things you kind of sense out of the corner of your eye. And I thought that was super effective. And then the other characters involved, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a melodrama, but they are heightened, right? Her, the uh, director, um, the famous director of the of the ballet, and it's it's the it's at Lincoln Center. It's the is it the Met? You you know what troupe it is? I do not know, but it's clearly a famous world. Mm-hmm. You know world famous you know new Dance york troupe. ballet yeah, yeah mm-hmm. they they perform at lincoln center and so so you know he's a high intensity character and he's french and you know and he's sort of putting a moves on her and there's a lot of kind of inappropriate energy going on there so you know that it's not a cartoon but it is definitely heightened and then i think by the end of the movie i realize oh you know seeing him and her antagonist's frenemy 
through this sort of heightened pressure and sort of her skewed lens makes that make a bit more sense because there were some times when somebody did or said something to her that I was kind of like, I mean, I guess you could have a person acting that way. But you come to think that the whole environment is just getting more and more pressurized and heightened as the movie goes along, but it's subtle, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And the mother, of course, the mother becomes this kind of almost a caricature of this controlling person who gave up her artistic career and invested it all in her daughter. And, of course, that's an archetype we've seen before. But it, this is very, I think, chillingly drawn. And, yeah. Um, I mean, I, it was just, it was terrific. I I, I was really, um, really into it all the way through. Cool. Yeah, this is, uh, this is just the second time I've seen this. I watched it in the theater when it, when it orig- originally came out and, you know, was blown away by it then. And um, it, uh, you know, it holds up on a second viewing 11 years later it's hard to it's hard to believe this came out 11 years ago but uh yeah it's it's such an interesting movie because like you said you're dealing with you know she's an unreliable narrator obviously so you never i feel like as the viewer you're never 100 percent sure what's real and what isn't you know um in in any uh at any time really in the movie. Um, and I think it's interesting. I may have talked about this last week, but you know, Aronofsky for me is one of those directors where I've liked everything that he's done. And the, you know, the trailer for the next Darren Aronofsky movie for me could just be a black screen with just text that says (laughs) the next Darren Aronofsky movie, because there have been several times with this when before there was a trailer or anything, and I read that, you know, his next movie is going to be about ballet. I thought, ah, a movie about ballet? I don't think I'm going to be interested in that, you know. And then it's, of course, he has a different spin on it than what uh, maybe the typical filmmaker would have. And um, so I think it's very, you know, he's exploring a couple of different things here or maybe multiple things. You know, he's exploring um, what these dancers go through that they are, you know, they have to meet these essentially superhuman, uh, conditions, you know, the, they're, they're all so small and thin. Um, you know, uh, I watched this with, um, my sister and my brother-in-law and just all through the movie, we're just remarking at how thin, Natalie Portman is and it's not like she isn't always a thin woman but you know she's just bone thin and the you know the just the damage that it causes to their bodies and um, you were talking about the melodrama how much of that is heightened by the lens of of her character we don't really know but you also would probably imagine that all of these young very competitive women it would be a very dramatic environment, you know? Yes. Um, and I, and I'm sure, uh, you know, um, some of what the director was doing was partly he's a creep, it seems, but also, you know, he's just playing mind games to motivate her to, you know, cause he talks at multiple times that she is 
perfect as the white swan, but she doesn't have the dark aspects of the black swan. And, you know, he's, he's constantly trying to push her with that. You also have, you know, he's exploring mental illness and he's also playing with the idea of, uh, of doubles. Um, and I was reading a little bit about that, that, you know, he was inspired by, um, I think it's Dostoevsky. I could never say that name, his book that is about, maybe the title is the double, I don't know, but, um, he said it, he was reading that book at the same time that he was kind of coming up with, with this idea of doing a film about, about ballet. And, but I think it's very interesting, um, I think the big question to me is how much of Mila Kunis. So Mila Kunis is this sort of rival dancer who's kind of everything that, that Nina, um, Natalie Portman's character is not. Natalie Portman's character is very uptight. And as you said, she has this domineering mother and it's such a weird, she lives with her mother in such a weird environment where she's an adult. She's in her twenties and she lives in this little girl's bedroom, you know, that's right. all pink and has right. all these stuffed animals in it and everything. And her mother literally helps her get dressed and undressed, you know, like she's a child. It's it's such a weird relationship. But Mila Kunis's character, what what we see anyway, is very free and kind of wild and doesn't really worry about much. It doesn't seem. But. Some of that I think we definitely know is is not real. Um, there's a night where she goes out with Mila Kunis and drinks and does drugs. And and then she goes back to, she takes Mila Kunis back to her apartment and they have sex. And then the next day, Natalie Portman says something to her about that. And she's like, I didn't spend the night at your house. You know, you must have had a dream about me or whatever. And... So I don't, I'm not even sure if they actually, did they even go out? Did you think that part was real or did she even imagine all of that? I, I In hindsight, like, I was unsure. I feel like they went out because she got inebriated. Yeah. But you're right. It's hard to know for sure. It's hard to know. And, and Mila Kunis's character is undoubtedly messing with her. Right. To a certain degree, but almost certainly not to the degree that, you know, we watch it as uh, over the, you know, through the eyes of um, Natalie Portman's character. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, I love that you can't be sure. Yeah. I love that you can't be sure how much of an advert. I mean, you know, Mila Kunis's character is. Every all of the ballerinas want the star role, and that's not surprising. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and there's a degree of ba it's coming from a theater background. It's part of you know everybody wants to be the lead, and there's some some cattiness and stuff that goes on. But what's unclear as we get to know how, as we get to know uh, Natalie Portman character's mind better, is 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 the degree to which. She's perceiving something as an attack versus just a slight, you know, it, it really leaves a lot open to interpretation. Um, and, you know, I was not even sure at the end of the film, 
So Mila Kunis, um, so this night that they go out and then uh, Natalie Portman is late um, showing up uh, to the theater. And um, so he has named Mila, he has Mila Kunis dancing her part as the lead. And, um, you know, she is now the alternate. But at the end, uh, once they actually have, you know, the, the ballet happen, there's a scene where Mila Kunis says to her about how great, you know, her performance was and everything. And I forget exactly what she says, but it made me question even if right. she was really a rival at all, because it, it made it seem like she was just kind of a backup dancer. I don't know if that's the proper term. You know what I mean? And and at that point I was like, well, did was she even the alternate? Was she ever you know, did right. she create all of that in her head that she was even a rival? She was just kind of this girl that, you know, was there maybe and not the rival that she thought she was. And Natalie Portman near the end looks across a backstage at one point at rehearsal and sort of sees the director having sex with mm-hmm. with uh, Mila Kunis's character. And in retrospect, you're like... Uh, uh, certainly not. Like, yeah, I, that, I, thought, I definitely thought that was not real. Certainly not. You know, I mean, that's absurd. Um, you know, so at, at a certain point, some of it seems like overt uh, projection. And then mm-hmm. there's a there's a scene down in her dressing room, maybe even during the show or just before the show, where there's a, a fight, a struggle between her and Mila Kunis. And then she kills Mila Kunis and goes back for the body. And there's, of course, there's no body there. So you think there was, there was never another person in the room. Mm -hmm. And by that point in the film, you're, you're realizing, Oh, okay. She's really, um, she's really coming apart. Yeah. Like she's hearing things and seeing things. And she physically begins to transform into the black swan, which is very scary. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's just, it's really, really great. I think you said something earlier. I just want to jump back to for a second. It is on the face of it. And certainly the poster, it's a, it's a ballet movie, right? But it's not really a ballet movie. Um, Cause I, I think a lot of people would be kind of like, I don't really feel like watching a Mm -hmm. ballet movie. Yeah. It's certainly about a ballerina and, this big production ballet production that they're doing and everybody in it is involved in the ballet in some way. So it definitely takes place at the ballet, but, and there's a lot of detail about ballet in it too. Like the, the sort of ritualistic way they, uh, I want to be careful about the language I use, but I forgive me in advance. It's, it's almost, um, I want to say abuse their bodies with oh, the yeah. tape, taping of the toes and the 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 stretching to extreme, you know, and and, and she is uh, emotionally and she's very much part of her is stuck in this little girl, you know, with her mother kind of kept in that place, but mm-hmm. sitting on the floor of the living room, you know, breaking in new ballet slippers and tearing all the stuffing out of them and taping her toes and, you know breaking her, her big toenail and it, you're like, oh, ah, you know, mm-hmm. watching the toenail crack and it, it, there's just, and being painfully thin and there's, um, there are shots that make it seem fetishistic and I don't mean that in a, 
sexualized way, but in a in an almost unhealthy, you know. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh like yeah, a, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 so it really explores the world of ballet. I think at the highest levels and and the and the competitiveness and the pressure. But I wouldn't be like. I would say to somebody who's like, oh, I don't really feel like seeing a ballet movie. I'm like, eh, it's a great movie um, set in the context of the world of ballet, but it's not a movie. It's certainly not a ballet documentary or, or a, 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 you know, a, a, you don't you see some shots where they are performing the ballet, but it's not a long protracted uh, ballet movie, you know? No, and it could be any kind of high performance field you know they could have been gymnasts or they could have been you know some other kind of of an orchestra or something too you know i read a lot that this and it it makes sense uh i think have you seen the wrestler i haven't oh okay well we need to we we should watch the wrestler sometime the wrestler is great too but that uh, and this isn't spoiling anything but that this movie is very much a companion piece to the wrestler because the wrestler is also about a person who abuses their body for the sport, you know, or the activity that they're, they're in. And and it's different because, you know, he's this old guy at the end of his career, whereas she's, you know, she's still young, but it's, but it's, they kind of go together because it's just about, you know, somebody who just goes all out for their craft and it's terrible for their body. Um, so yeah, but yeah, it um, and you know this movie is—it's not exactly a horror movie, but there are definitely some very horrific. Uh, there's some very horrific imagery in this. Some great horrific imagery in this. And one thing that I thought was interesting at watching it the second time. So there is a uh, continual thing with her having these scratches on her back like on her, you know, like on her shoulder blades and that her mother uh, scolds her about that and cuts her fingernails very short because she says, you know, she scratches with her, her fingers. And as the movie goes on, we eventually, that's where when she literally turns into the black swan, that's like where the wings come out of her back. Right. And, you know, watching it a second time, you see that, you know, you know what's coming, but watching it, the, did was that apparent right away what that was going to be to you watching it the first time or no, but I had a hunch it's, yeah. you know, it's on her shoulder blades is where if you see a depiction of an angel where mm-hmm. wings would sprout from, you know, um, mm-hmm. so I wasn't, it's a shocking transformation. I think it's masterfully done, but mm-hmm. it, it isn't, I mean, I knew broadly speaking what the film, the, the arc of the film, you know, I didn't know whether there was a supernatural element to it. I suspected not with Aronofsky. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't know how. How much to, I started the film trusting the protagonist, um, trusting trusting the narrator uh, fully, but you know that deteriorated relatively rapidly as yeah. I was like, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that that's what they were doing you know mm-hmm. um and so by the point where she's begun to physically transform you're kind of like okay i mean i don't think this is a i don't think this is a movie about 
a woman who literally turns into a swan. I no. think this is a this is a movie about a woman who's has some mental health issues in the first place and has been under a lot of pressure her whole life. And um, this is the point at which things start to come come apart. Yeah. Yeah. It's riveting though. I you know, I don't mean to diminish the impact cuz you don't know you don't know watching it what's going to happen. Or I didn't know what I wanted to happen either, you know? Like, did I want, I wanted her to succeed at the end. I mean, I didn't want her to suffer and die. No. I wanted her to become the black swan figuratively, if not literally, and triumph, which is what happens in the film. And at the end, the white swan character commits suicide by jumping off a cliff or something. And on stage, it's a high point that there's a mattress in the back and she drops off. But she has a wound that apparently is this self-inflicted thing and she's bleeding and people rush over and the implication is that instead of killing Mila Kunich she has somehow stabbed herself and only now after the triumphant last act or whatever is that wound bleeding through I don't know it was a little confusing like if you had stabbed yourself with the shard of mirror (laughs) that badly um, would you have been able you, to perform this dance? A, would you have been able to perform the dance? And, yeah. and B, would would you not be bleeding through your snow white tutu until right. having danced all over the stage for 15, 20, 30 minutes? I yeah. Mean, so, but, so even that, you're like, I'm not sure whether that's a literal death or a figurative death. The one but thing I that... wanted her to, I wanted her to triumph. Oh, right? yeah. I wanted yeah. her to have that experience that every performer you know dreams of is the sort of masterpiece where you bring down the house and there's you know bravo the standing ovation and throwing roses and the crowd goes crazy right and you're Mm -hmm. just even your co-stars and the director are all wildly applauding because you've so exceeded everyone's expectations that it's this triumph and you think oh i can't even I'll never match this tomorrow, right? I have so to come I might back as well and die. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, this would be it. I, I could die now happy because I did it, you know? Right. Now, that was the one thing that I did take as real, that she actually did triumph in that way. Did you, I mean, did you feel like that she actually, that that was all real, the ad- adulation and everything? It seemed, I mean, yes, it seemed heightened to me. You know, I've never been to the ballet, mm-hmm. but... um I have certainly been to theater and and stuff, and there have been performances that end with that kind of slam dunk that, you know, people leap to their feet Mm -hmm. in the audience to applaud. And, I I mean, I don't know. I I bought that she was going crazy when when she danced as the Black Swan. Everybody was like, whoa, whoa. You know, even her her co-star her other performers backstage were like you know amazed at her transformation and so i thought that was real and i believe that the crowd was into it but then the intensity of the applause and the thunder crash of it at the end seemed dialed up right i i believed that she was hearing it that way mm-hmm. and i certainly didn't think that the crowd didn't like it <laughs> you know that she was yeah. imagining it but it just seemed like everything in her perception there was heightened. Was the, the, yeah, the contrast was turned way up. So 
the the, the people who who you know the Mila Kunis character was an evil you know somebody trying to literally stab her in the back and uh, um, you know somebody who was an ally was this sort of savior angel but they, by the end of it it just seemed like things were so black or white yeah no I was gonna say no pun intended it was everything well was black but, or yeah white. but yeah. It, I mean yeah. that's a good filmmaker yeah 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 um, so yeah I mean I it sort of didn't matter to me at the end. I think that's another great thing about his directing and, and Aronofsky in general is he leaves certain questions of interpretation open to the audience so you can experience them and you can have conversations like this where it's like, what did you think of that? Um, and he's painting in kind of emotional colors uh, more than he is. Um, they're needing to be a literal... Well, if she took eight steps, then that means whatever. But it seemed like she took 12, but that would totally change the story. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. It's not about that. It's about the journey and how closely you want to align yourself to the, the protagonist on their journey as you come to understand that the protagonist is not well and, and that this journey that she wants may not be healthy for her. Right. Right. So do you care more about her getting what she wants or do you care more about her well-being? And it puts us in a complicated place as viewers. And I think that's really masterful. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, and it opens the conversation about of art. It's like, you know, do you ever see the movie Whiplash? I have not seen Whiplash. I'm familiar with it. But yeah, you got to see it. it. But it also deals with these issues of, you know, is there such a thing as happy, contented, you know, quote unquote, normal people being able to operate at the very top, the very zenith of any given art form, right? Mm-hmm. And and how much do you have to suffer for your art in order for that art to be truly exceptional? And I think we see it a lot because I think it's an open question. And I think you you see many of these biopics about artists of all different genres who are game-changing in their art. Um, and then, you know, the biopic shows the, the the various ways in which they may be unhappy people or, you know, maybe their personal relationships suffer or they're difficult, you know, to be married to or mm-hmm. terrible parents or had terrible, you know what I mean? So this, this relationship between suffering and art... Um, and I think this likewise explores that in its own way to great effect. Yeah, we also see in this with uh, uh, Winona Ryder has a has a small but but good uh, right, performance yeah. in this, where she's the this older dancer who was once where uh, uh, Natalie Portman is, and she's retiring at the end of the year, and it's pretty much like she doesn't have anything else, you know, is the, is the idea that you get. So it's like, essentially her life is over that she's leaving, leaving dancing, you know? And I I think that's an interesting um, thing to look at is, is people who, especially when it's something more athletic like this, you know, you could be a painter and paint throughout your life or, you know, some other type of artist, but something like this where they give their body so much to, uh, to this, they're they're going to retire relatively young, right. and then it's like now what? You know, 
after they've devoted their entire lives to this. You know, it's kind of like Olympians who, you know, spend their entire lives for one, you know, maybe one Olympics or a couple of Olympics. And then it's like, okay, what do you do after that? Right. What's the next chapter or what's left? Yeah. You just become an entirely different person now. Like that was, that was the thing you were striving for. So, so urgently. Uh, And then what, once you achieve it, (laughs) now what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So with Aronofsky, I, you know, this, we haven't really talked about it too much, but this, you know, visually is an outstanding movie. I think it's really interesting the way early on, it's almost, he does a lot of tight shots and things. And it almost has a, uh, especially, I know, you know, you were saying this is not a documentary about, uh, ballet, but, but he, uh, I guess it's probably a lot of handheld camera, but it's, it, it seems there's some of this that feels kind of documentary like, um, you know, but but visually very impressive. I mean, it's just this is uh, again, I you know, I'm a I'm biased because I, I like his movies so much. But this, I think, is really a, a director at the top of his game because it's just the writing and the acting and the the way it's shot and everything is all really fantastic, I think. Yeah, it gives a feel of effortlessness. It's like when you listen to a musician play and they're just a master of what they do and you listen to them play and it's not necessarily that they're playing something that's virtuosic in uh, in terms of being challenging right they're not necessarily a pianist playing Rachmaninoff you know where you're like the, the, the only a few people could actually technically execute this mm-hmm. but they could be playing something very simple but there's something in the way and the ease with which they play it that makes me the term, you know, the, he makes it look easy or she makes it look easy. Uh, and this movie, from a directing point of view, and, and I think from all the acting too, but it comes down from the director. He just makes it look easy. Mm-hmm. It's a little movie about a ballerina who, whether it's too much pressure or whether she, you know, but she kind of, it's it kind of cracks under the pressure. And of course, the watching of the film is much more complex than that. But beat by beat, there isn't crazy, um, you know, Machiavellian weirdness going on. It's a pretty straightforward little story. Yeah. Um, and the things that she she's not climbing um, Everest, you know, and it doesn't get into the, it's not even like, oh, well, the addition process is very comp. You know what I mean? It's none of that. It just follows her story of trying to, you know, land this role that is the dream of any young performer, the lead role at a, in a big shot thing and, and nail it. Right. And they all make it look easy. And Natalie Portman makes it look easy. It's just a brilliant performance. And I yeah, think Aronofsky directs them all and he just, it's pitch perfect throughout. And beyond that, there's just an ease to this movie that's like, wow, it was like butter. That was amazing. You know? I don't know... Uh... If she had a, a, she or Mila Kunis, if either of them had a dance background, but they said they, you know, they uh, studied dance for months to prepare for the film, you know, which is, which is, you know, there's times maybe where they're using, you know, where it's close ups on the feet that that could be a double or something, but there's a whole lot where they're, 
they're doing you know they appear to be doing the actual dancing and it's and it's impressive it yeah it's impressive i've had the thought i wondered and i didn't google this because i'm lazy but I, mm -hmm. I wondered if um either or both of them came from a dance background particularly natalie portman mm -hmm. um because i think she had definitely she has definitely had changed her body type uh for this role um she looked like she had lost a lot of weight um She's not, um, you know, she's obviously, she's a movie star, she's fit, but I don't think of her as being um, willowy in the same way that she is in this film. No, you know? yeah. Um, and so, and it seemed when she was stretching and at the bar and, and I, I thought, you know, that's that is extremely convincing. And they don't show the dancing so much like I, I did have the thought when she was on stage performing and we'd see her back or whatever and the crowd was kind of going crazy, with the exception of the black swan, I didn't I didn't feel transported. That wasn't to say I'm like, oh come on, you could have gotten somebody at least who can dance. It wasn't that. But I it was telling the story that, oh, this is this is supposed to be transportational and its beauty and the audience is feeling that and I as the audience was like I mean I buy that she's a dancer but it's not some new it's not Barishnikov you know what I mean mm -hmm. like there's nothing about it that I'm, I could just be like wait don't cut away show me this whole thing and then I thought well maybe you know she could have a ballet background and not be one of the greatest ballerinas of all time yeah you know? sure sure um, I think it's interesting with Aronofsky I was just looking here on IMDb he hasn't directed a lot of films. Um, Pi was his first in 1998, and then it's uh, Requiem for a Dream, The Fountain, The Wrestler, Black Swan, Noah, and Mother, which was in 2017. And he hasn't directed. He hasn't directed. I, I think he was very. Mo, uh, Mother kind of flopped and had a really bad reaction, and I think he was very personally hurt by that. And uh, but he has a a new movie in pre-production, but have you seen the fountain before? Is the fountain the one with it's Hugh Jackman and he's in yes, like three different eras. I didn't realize that was Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. I have seen that. I think that's quite a remarkable movie. In it many, is many ways. Yeah. We could talk about the fountain on here. Oh yeah. Yeah. I um, think the fountain and the wrestler are two that we should, and you talked to and Noah is the only one that I have not seen. Yeah, well, we you know, given your love of Aronofsky, you should see it. It's yeah. it's a it's a whopper, um, and I don't mean that sarcastically or anything else. I mean it's literally the Noah story, so it's a biblical story, right? And it's um, just sledgehammer performances across the board, and um, yeah, it, I again, melodramatic is not the right word, but epic on every scale, right? So the CGI is epic, and the the arc is epic and the, you know, and the performances are epic and the emotions are epic. And it's, it's really, I remember seeing it and feeling kind of exhausted. The runtime is kind of epic if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, considering how you feel about Aronofsky, you got to watch that movie. Yeah. I've always, I've always wanted to see it. You brought up the CGI. That's another thing about Black Swan is if there's CGI in, in any of the, um, you know, her transformation into the swan or any of that, I couldn't pick up on it. I mean, all of the, you know, there are definitely effects in this. It's not, you know, there's stuff with injuries and things like that. 
Um, so it, it's not necessarily things that you typically think of as special effects, but, um, but, but the, it's the a makeup light and touch. Yeah. yeah. But everything I, in this is so realistic. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of it is practical. I think a yeah. lot of it is practical. I think, you know, her eyes change color and, it, and, it, and for most of that, at least is probably contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be one scene where they kind of, you know, where she's first looking in the mirror and her eyes are sort of this maroon. It's not exactly blood, but it's, it, it's, I don't know, are swans eyes red? It's I don't, I don't know. It's very evocative of a swan somehow. Yeah, I don't know. And I think there's one where they might've just digitally colored them. And then when she actually transforms into the, with the wings and everything, they've clearly used some CGI to sort of, whether or not there are, um, actual practical wings i i couldn't tell i'm inclined to think that that's all kind of cgi mm-hmm. but but it all looks great but certainly it's a lot of makeup and and a lot of them are just are are camera tricks like when she's she's alone in the rehearsal studio and she's feeling paranoid and she feels like she's being watched and it's an over the shoulder shot of her looking sort of like she heard a sound looking back over her shoulder at camera. Mm-hmm. And then behind her is, of course, the wall-to-wall mirror that will feel familiar to a ballet studio. And we see her reflection. And the reflection, obviously, um, she's not facing the mirror anymore. So she, in the foreground, turns like she's heard something, turns her face towards camera, and her reflection uh, is turning her face away from camera, and then there's a moment where the reflection turns and looks at her. Yeah, and it oh man, I just got a chill remembering it. Yeah. I, it's still, and it's and then she turns and looks, and it's just herself in the mirror. But it's one of those things where it's this this sort of paranoia, schizoid, schi- uh, schizophrenic um, paranoia that it's just so clearly drawn in that little image that the you know and and i mean i suppose that's cgi and you have to split it somewhere because you film it one way and then you but it feels practical right Mm -hmm. it's it's a mirror trick yeah and there's a lot of that there's a lot of that in this movie that i think is used to great effect one of my favorites is very early in the movie she's walking home from the dance studio and she's going down, you know, in New York, you, there always seems to be, uh, I don't even know what the term that you use for it exactly is, but where they're, you know, they're doing work on the sidewalk or the street or whatever. And where you're walking down is a covered, uh, you know, a covered section. Yeah. And she sees this woman in the distance and, you know, you can't see her very clearly. And she seems sort of apprehensive to walk past this woman. And as she passes by her, the woman has her face and smiles at her, this kind of evil smile. Menacingly, yes. Yeah, a menacing smile. And she turns around after the woman has passed. And, of course, it's just it's just a dark-haired woman who looks it's you know, cl- vaguely clearly, like her. It's not her. another actress, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I love that. But we uh, have those moments. I think yeah. part of it is because that feels so familiar, and it's not necessarily that you think you see yourself as much as like you think it's your mother or something sure. other Freudian, you know, a, a long lost friend or something that just your subconscious says, "Oh, that's 
look, look who it is. And then you're like, hey. And then you realize, oh, that does really and it's like vaguely resembles them, you know. It's, and it's like they, that person couldn't be here, you know. That doesn't make any right, sense. They live, right. you know, a thousand miles away. And they're in or California or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's very effective in that way because it's quite a um, – quite a dramatic story but it's told with a very light touch i think and the the big characters like the mila kunis and the director at first you think like okay well that's rather broad and then you think well i don't know maybe maybe we're all just seeing this all you know it makes me want to go back and rewatch it mm-hmm. and see like i think by any metric the director is a little gross Mm-hmm. Uh, is he criminally inappropriate, you know, or is that heightened by the way she's uh, hearing some of the things he's saying? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so I don't know. What are our uh, uh, recommendations on this? Well, I enthusiastically recommend it, um, especially if you're into ballet. Exactly. Yeah, and, and if you're a fan of Aronofsky, and if you're a fan of any of the actors we've mentioned, I think everybody hands in a great, great performance, and um, I think this would be a good popcorn movie or a date movie, especially if you're into, you know, it's not horror, but there are some horrifying little moments. It's scary. You, you, I worried for her, you know, mm-hmm. and um, but not to the degree that it's like saw or something you know it's not a slasher movie it's and he doesn't do any you know there's no cheesy jump scares in this you know um so it's the the horrific elements are kind of as you said they're camera tricks or you know her seeing herself uh it's 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 more unnerving i guess i would you would say than horrific yeah and as a date movie it's a kind of a gasp and grab your partner's hand and use it as an excuse to snuggle closer like i i I had fun watching it alone, and I think it stands up as a great movie. But in, in terms of people that might want something to watch together one evening, I think you know it's a it's a drama slash thriller, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's, it's terrific. Yeah, I I mean I I agree. It's it's a movie that I love, and uh, I. Uh, like I've said, you don't have to have any interest in ballet. To enjoy it, um, people, you know, it's a uh, maybe for people who who do not like movies that are not very straightforward. With a, you know, if if you don't like ambiguity, this is probably not the movie for you because right. it's, it's you not know, a it's, romantic we, comedy. Yeah. It doesn't. And, it's not like A meets B. You know, boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back happily ever yeah. after. It's not. And it, and as we've said, you know, it's it, a lot of it is if, is left up to interpretation, but and you know, a, a, a kind of a minor, this little side conversation. So, um, did you watch the Oscars this no. year? I did not. I kind of was barely even aware that the Oscars. Uh, it's such a weird year. <laughs> it is such a weird year, and I was having a conversation with somebody about it who had watched it, and. Um, I said, you know, I said, I barely knew, you know, a lot. I, I, some of the movies that were nominated, I hadn't even heard of before. And I think we, so I was, I was looking back kind of through some of the best picture, uh, 
you know, films in the past. And this is something that I've talked about before on the show, but I think we're in an era, you know, out outside of COVID. I mean, COVID messed everything up this year. So, you know, people weren't going to, to movie theaters and all of that. But I think we've almost gotten into an era. This movie came out 11 years ago. And I looked up the um, the budget was $15 million, uh-huh. And it made worldwide like $330 million. So, you know, this was a big, big hit. And we're only 11 years out from this movie. And I think something like this would it would probably be tough to get into theaters today because I think, you know, we have gotten so much into just, you know, comic book movies and, and that kind of thing where maybe I'm not sure a decade out that there is room for, I mean, this would be a, probably a Netflix or a, you know, an Amazon production or something, I think almost at this point. And I, and I think that is, there was a lot of talk about how um, low the ratings were for um, the Oscars this year. And a lot of it was, you know, people complaining about, it's like all the, you know, it's all about wokeness and, and politics and all this kind of thing, which may play into it. Some people not wanting to watch, but I think it's just most of it. People, people aren't seeing these films, you know? So, Um, I just, I don't know. It's, it's just, uh, I don't know what my point is there exactly other than just to say, I think a relatively small dramatic movie like this, I think would struggle to, uh, you know, even once everything is open back up, I, I'm not sure if there's room for this kind of movie. I don't know. I hope, I hope I'm wrong about that. Yeah. But. Yeah. I do too. But you know, things have changed very quickly. You know, in yeah. terms of the streaming, I mean, it's it has changed very quickly. I mean, we're definitely going to see where we've already seen it, but the Oscars is going to be more and more, you know, the, I, I think the, the um, I don't know if they dropped this this year, but I know in the past they've allowed streaming films. I know Amazon um, has produced some movies over the years that they expected to get Academy consideration and the rule was, is that it can be a streaming film, but they have to play. I think, you know, they have to have played in New York and L.A. basically. So they'll put them in a couple of theaters to meet that requirement. But it's basically huh. something that's made, you know, for Amazon or whatever. But I think we're Isn't going to. Isn't that strange, though? Because I, you know, these online streaming service studios have made terrific films, certainly better films in than I have paid to go see in the theater. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it seems like an arbitrary requirement to me. I figure that will will drop. Eventually, it's just going to be, they're just movies. It doesn't matter, you know, right. where it, where it, uh, where you watch it's a film, it. film, it's over 80 yeah. minutes, it's a feature film. Like, what format, who cares? Right? Now, the thing that I think is going to be uh, interesting is how fractured all of that is. Because, you know, this Black Swan was a movie that obviously a whole lot of people saw in the movie theater. But if it's, you know, in the future, Darren Aronofsky or somebody similar to him makes a movie for Hulu, you know, how many people, I don't know how many Hulu subscribers there are, but, you know, 
the people that have Hulu are going to see it, but then there's going to be all these other people that don't subscribe to that or whatever streaming yeah. service. And then that's just a movie. They're not, you know, so it's not like a Titanic or something like that, that wins best picture and everybody has seen it or Forrest Gump, you know? Um, so I don't know. I don't, maybe it doesn't matter, but it will be interesting to see. I, I'm kind of enjoying the fact that there's all of this, new content and in the overall quality of the content is um is good yeah <laughs> you know? sure. i'm not saying everything on netflix or hulu or well this original content is good or my style or what i'm interested in, but there's a fair amount of it that's that's really watchable and i'm like i'm liking it i'll pay 12 or 15 dollars a month or whatever for this channel if it's going to continue to make content that's not just a bunch of old stuff that i'm pawing through deciding what what to rewatch you know and the great thing is the 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 chances that they're taking you know netflix can do you know adam sandler movies and then very small artsy films you know they yeah. just throw whatever out there to see what's going to stick you know yeah um which is uh which is exciting in a way yeah, because you end up, you know, I think if it all has to hinge on one big tentpole thing, it puts so much pressure on the formula because it has to make money, you mm -hmm. know. So what you end up with is a very middle-of-the-road effort sometimes that still to doesn't appeal to work. everybody. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and you don't get, you know, you don't get outliers or mavericks or you know surprises. Um, and I think that those end up being some of the best movies of all time. <laughs> you sure. Know? Oh yeah, so sure. um, you would recommend it as well. Yeah, yes. yeah, highly recommend it. It's a great movie. Excellent. Um, check it out, folks. It's great. Um, Chris and Chris Talk Movies at Gmail dot com is our handle. We're on all the socials. If you like listening to the podcast, please give us a review and a like and a subscribe and tell your friends. Um, for next week. We have discussed doing what I think of as a classic from our uh, youth, Edward Scissorhands. I would agree. And kinda, I have not seen let, that movie for a long time, but it's great. Yeah, it's uh, it's been several years since I've seen it. I have it on I have it on Blu-ray, and I don't know if I ever watched the Blu-ray or not. So. Uh, and but, we may even have a special guest joining us, too, yes. a friend of ours from from all the way back. Yes. So, yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, I think there's a lot to talk about there. Just the movie itself, uh, Tim Burton's career. He was doing a lot of interesting stuff at the time, I feel. Um, I think it'll be interesting to, to discuss, you know, how his his career and, and Johnny Depp's career you know, paralleled evolved. each other and evolved yes. together and kind of devolved at the same time, I think. Yes. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're kind of letting the cat out of the bag that we both, we both like Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Shocker. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's people that don't like it. I'm sure. Yeah, well, but, uh, you know, everybody's got their own opinion, but yeah, if you have not seen, uh, what was it? 1990. So, um, you know, this several decades old film, uh, watch it before you listen to the episode. Yes, and we will enjoy discussing it together. It will be great. It will be great. 
Anything else before we sign off? I think that's it. All righty. Uh, yeah, my allergies, man. I'm just kind of, mm. it's like I'm talking to you through a fog. It's mm. just, I hope it doesn't. I, I no, you sound fine. Affected the quality of the episode. I feel like I'm on a like two and a half second delay. It's, it's crazy. I didn't pick up on it. I don't think anybody else will. Well, that's that's what I hope. All right. Okay, so thanks for joining us. As always, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com, and we will talk to you next week.